I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. You are now listening to the Dual Position Podcast. The boys are back to talk all things super coach all season long. Please welcome your hosts, Whisperer and Brew. We managed to get the Cowboys out of the way somehow, and the morale is still high when it comes to the Dual Position Podcast, because over the next week and a half, we have some pretty fire teams to look at, teams including the likes of the Roosters, uh, the Penrith Panthers, the Rabbitohs, and the team we're going to touch on today, as much as they are a laughingstock uh, amongst the community, they are a relevant Supercoach side, they do have runs on the board when it comes to the NRL, and that is the Parramatta Eels, the pride of Parramatta, the pride of Bank West. Look, Brew, last year, mate, they finished six. They had a 15-9 and nine record in total, 7-5 and five at home, which is surprising considering um, their home record is generally considered amazing, but they don't play as many games at Bank West as what I think they want to. Uh, away from home, they were 8-4, and four, so pretty solid across both fronts when it comes to their attacking potential. They did rank in seventh, putting up about 23.5 points a game. But it was the defense that I think really separated them from the middle of that top eight. They finished fourth when it comes to defense, conceding 20 points, uh, not 20 points, conceding 19 points a game. Mate, they start off this year weirdly with the Titans twice in rounds five uh, and round one. So they have the, the Titans, the Sharks, Melbourne, the Dragons, and then the Titans again in round five. I've got the, sh- the I don't know where I've got the Parramatta actually. I think I've got them there or thereabouts in sixth again. Where do you have them, mate? Just double check that. Uh, I got him in sixth or uh, sixth or seventh. Sorry, I had the wrong screen up. Um, yeah, but in general, just because they can't win a premiership, that doesn't mean that they uh, can't score some super coach points. Can't win. A, just taking a few pot shots there at uh, some of the Parramatta faithful. I mean, I think their premiership window, in realistically. Seventh. Realistically, their premiership window is probably closing, so they would have to make a good run this year before uh, a lot changes. When it comes to the ins, they've had Bailey Simonson and Mitch Rain come in from the Raiders and the Titans, respectively. They've had Joey Lussick, Will Smith, Blake Ferguson, Michael Oldfield, Sam Hughes, Jordan Rankin, and Keegan Hipgrave all leave. Keegan Hipgrave retiring. Uh, Fergo off to rugby and then off to the big house. Uh, Will Smith off to the Titans. Joey Lussick off to St. Helens. Uh, Oldfield, Hughes, and Rankin have all been released. When it comes to the ins and outs, mate, I'll be honest, apart from Will Smith, I don't mind letting Lussick, Fergo, Oldfield, Hughes, Rankin go, and then Hipgrave retired. And look, I think you lose Fergo, you bring in Simmonson, not a like-for-like replacement, but you bring another body through the door, younger um, body with probably a, a bigger ceiling than what Fergo could have provided you. So apart from Will Smith, who I think is a very handy utility, and I think he'll do the Titans uh, the world of good, I don't mind any of these players leaving the building. No, they haven't really lost any any major players uh, from their lineup this season. 
I still don't mind their 13. This is this is a side that beat Melbourne twice last year, but I do think it's a side that's on the decline, and I personally think the premiership window is closed. I think they had their chance a few years ago. They blew that. Um, they've been on a slight decline ever since, and I think it's just going to continue. I've got them dropping from what you said, sixth last year. I've got them finishing in seventh this year. Um, they could They could go better than that. They could go worse than that, but I think they'll be there or thereabouts, same as last season. I think the big worry when it comes to Parramatta is the 2023 outs. Murata Niakore off to the Warriors, Isaiah Papali'i off to the Tigers, Ray Stone off to the Dolphins, and Oregon Kafusi, who I actually rate pretty highly as a good youngster, uh, off to Cronulla. They do get Josh Hodson in. And sorry, they also lose Reid Money. I should have should have mentioned Reid Money off to the Dogs. Um, they get Josh Hodson in as well. Cool. But it's no Reid Money. So, look, if they're going to make a big run in September, it has to be this year. If it's not, I think it's a big uphill battle, uh, especially, like I said, with some of those outs. Not like Nikore provided to be really, really good for Brad Arthur last year. We know Isaiah Papali'i and what he did on the edge. Ray Stone didn't play fantastic in the finals, but he's is what it is. And Oregon Kafusi, as I said, I rate quite highly. Uh, and as I said, Josh Hodgson coming through the building, uh, another year older, doesn't particularly make the, the hairs in the back of my neck stand up too much. No, it wouldn't make mine either if I was a fan. And it's unfortunate. It's kind of like this is your last chance for the Eels. So maybe they come out and do something and shock the world. But I just don't think they can hang with, the, the say, the top four or five sides in the competition. They've still got a very good side on paper. But those losses that they're losing for next year, they're going to have to go through a big rebuild again. And the premiership weight will extend. I believe it will also extend... When it comes to injuries and suspensions, I mean, they have been riddled. Not riddled. I mean, Michael Sebo was out indefinitely with his knee, who was a big, I guess, key figure of their 13. They also have near Corey suspended until round two. But their fullback, their co-captain this year, speaks for himself, Clint Gutherson. Look, he put up 70 points in 2020, put up 75 points last year. So he's proven over the last 24 months he will go on runs as well. We know Gutho likes to go on four or five week spells where he'll just put up three Tons. scores, three scores of a hundred in a month, and makes the fullback position even more awkward because Parramatta like will go on a good streak of, fig, of fixtures, and and Gutho can be a bit of a flat track bully and and put up points is exactly what you want to do. He'll also be second in line for the goal kicking as well. Anything happens to Mitch Moses, he takes that t. Six hundred and fifty five k. There's worse options out there for your fullback. I just think Parramatta don't have the perfect draw to start. I mean, if you're taking a punt outside of your big guns at fullback, you want to have a, a, a dream draw. This is why we were so keen on Reese Walsh. Uh, obviously, the suspension rules that out. But, I mean, on paper, it's good. You've got the Titans, the Cronulla, St. George, and the Titans again in rounds five. But it's that Melbourne draw, or not Melbourne draw, that Melbourne fixture in round three. Basically, Melbourne get their full side back in round two. They'll have a week to, to gel, and then they're primed for round three against Parramatta. I, if that fixture wasn't there, if it was like another eighth to 14th place side, I could definitely get behind Gutho for the first five weeks. But that Melbourne fixture in round three kind of throws it out for me a little bit. I can't personally get behind anyone that's not Teddy Turbo or Pappenhausen. In terms of Gutherson himself, 
he's an asset to the team. He's a very, very talented player. And as you said, he, he does go on runs. So if you, if you pick your moment, he can certainly be somebody that you keep an eye on throughout the season. And maybe, especially over origin, I feel that there could be an opportunity there. He was very good over origin last season. I know a lot of people picked him up and a lot of people held him for possibly too long in the end, but he's definitely an asset, but he's not someone I'd, I'd be starting the season with. I just, I can't do it personally. I have seen him in a few sides, people backing Parramatta's early draw. I know Melbourne is tough. They, I think they beat Melbourne round three last year, same round, I believe. But you're not going to score enough points against Melbourne to, to really cash in super coach wise, even if the Eagles were to get the W. So for me, he's not really someone I'm, I'm keeping an eye on. I, I've got plans elsewhere. That's why, I mean, if like I said, if Parramatta had that perfect draw, uh, and they didn't have a, a really tough fixture in the first five or six weeks. I could I could get behind it because you are you're playing the draw. But the fact that Pappenhausen and Teddy and Turbo and even Latrell, if he was back rounds uh, one, they're so much better than the rest. I think you need everything to go your way to take a punt in that fullback position. And that round three fixture of Melbourne does worry me a little bit. Uh, the wings, mate. I've gone two youngsters. I've gone Bailey Simonson and Hayes Dunster. Bailey Simonson, forty three average in two thousand twenty one, thirty five base power. So. Look, only eight points in intangibles. Um, he's at an awkward price of 374k. I think he'll get more attacking chances at Parramatta over, say, the likes of the Raiders, what they did last year. But he's probably 70k too much for me to even consider. Last year, he burnt me really bad. Um, but I do think he's in for an improvement in a better side in Parramatta when it comes to Bally Simonson. Yeah, I've got him I've got him lining up on the left wing. Uh, and I think that's probably a profitable side to be on over, say, the right wing. I think it's proven that they like to go to Mike Acevo's side. Gutherson's very good on that side. Moses is very good on that side. So there could be a bit of an uptick there for him. Uh, price price is certainly awkward. But after those first five, they then go into the Tigers, Newcastle, and then Cowboys as well. So if you do take out a possibly tricky game with the Sharks, yet to be determined what, what they dish up this year and a very t- tricky game against Melbourne. He could be a cash out at round eight and, and could be someone you could keep a sneaky eye on for that draw. No one's going to have a perfect draw and one, one or two bad games in an eight game stretch. It's not too bad. So I don't think he's the worst option. Yeah. If he was, if he was like 300, 310, I'd probably actually start with him. But the fact that oh, he's hundred percent, he's 374 is just a touch awkward for me, especially when I'm now considering going with the Xavier Coates, um, hot take. And he's now in my side. Don't ask me why. I saw that. Don't ask me why, but he's, he's there. And that's probably the only awkward center that I want to be looking at. I want to be looking at one. I don't want to be looking at multiple. Um, so Look, Simmonson, I miss, but yeah, expect Bruno to be talking about him come round four, round five when that Parramatta draw does open up post Melbourne. Um, and mm. Hayes Dunster, mate, I've got him as the other winger, 294k. I had him in my side last year, ups and downs. What side is he going to be on if he does line up on Sevo's side? He's not Sevo's size. We know Sevo scores a lot of tries, but to Sevo's credit, he also does make a lot for himself. Parramatta will give him the ball sometimes with a defender still in front of him, and he'll just use his size to muscle out of the way and, and get that try. So I think that's a big asset that Parramatta are going to lose. And whoever lines up on Sevo's side, whether it be Simmonson or, or Dunster, um, they're going to have to make room for those guys rather than just feed the ball off to Sevo, who can do it himself. Um, but but Dunster at 293, depending on what side he lines up on, that's probably more of the price range I'd like to see Simmonson in. And yeah, I mean, I'm, I'm more keen on Dunster at 80k cheaper than Simmonson. He's, not, he's a guy that I haven't 
yet put in my side, but he's a guy that could very well be there um, come TLT once I see that he's named. He's, his base isn't fantastic. Um, his point scoring in general hasn't been great, but if he were to go on Mike Acevo's side, it's something that I could certainly consider um, definitely for that price. And he's just another one like at, at forward this year, it's tough. There's not many guys sub 300, sub 350, even that really shout out, call me. Um, so there's certainly an option where you can really cash in in the backs and take a lot of these guys as opposed to having nuffs. So I don't mind it, but he's, he's base plus power is a little bit of a concern for me. And I'd want to see him signed up on the left side. If you're taking Guildhard at 280k, I'd definitely advise spending the extra 13k and taking Dunster, regardless of what side he plays on. I think Parramatta are going to offer a whole lot more, more than what the Tigers will. upside. Yeah. Um, considering yeah. Brew and I looked at, at Guildhart's numbers when you guys uh, heard us talking about his Super League numbers, and he is quite attack-reliant. So I would much rather Dunster at 23 than Guildhart at 280 in a better side, regardless of what side Dunster lines up on. Mate, I'll touch on one centre in Wunga Blake at 410k. He's a guy that had so much upside. He just never reached the potential. Uh, he always comes in at these mid-range prices. There's always a little bit of whispers around him, but I, I can never go near Wunga Blake again. And the other centre, I will leave the floor to you. Oh, who are we talking about, mate? I, I don't like this guy at all. Um, will Penasini. Um, yeah, 255K for a guy with, uh, what, 42 roughly average last year, 33 base you know, 80 minutes per game. Uh, I think he's in for a breakout of season. I think you're going to get, at the very minimum, you're going to get an incredible base out of him, which means you're going to have a low floor. Uh, he doesn't really have much in the way of attack and create stats yet. They will come. Um, for me, he's a must-have. You've got to have him in your side. Everyone that sent me their sides at the moment and they don't have him in there, straight away I've gone, you've got to have him in. Same with Targo, who I guess we'll talk about in a few days' time. Those two guys, must-haves. Yeah, Will Penasini, not much more can be said. 255k, massive, massive upside. He's a big body. Those attacking stats will come. Um, and the base, is, yes, the base is solid enough. Look, if we're going to be realistic, I expect maybe a 51, 52 points a game average at 255k. Jesus, get get on that. That's, that. That is some good money, exactly. So we'll, we'll get on there. You could probably ride him out until the buy as well. I think there's enough um, ability for him to, to be, yeah, riding, riding your side until the buy. And then we, we can flick him on. When it comes to the halves, I am very keen on one of them. I am not so keen on the other. One of them is Mitchell Moses. Look, last year, very, very up and down. Seven games over 70 points. Seven games below 50 points when it comes to full games. He had one that was injured, which I've taken out. The goal kicking helps him a little bit. And it's very funny that only two or three years ago, when it comes to Supercoach, we were talking about Moses versus Cleary as to who our sort of mid-range half would be. Um, and at, at the time, that was a very, very fair question. Both of those guys were on the up. And Moses has become a better halfback just in general, but the better he is getting as a half, the, the more it's affecting his supercoach game. I have seen some sides with Moses in there. I don't particularly hate it. I don't particularly like it. He's just going to be there or thereabouts. He does have some upside, um, but does have plenty of low games in him. So for me, I would give Mitch Moses a miss. Do you have any thoughts on him before we touch on the next man? You mentioned a few seasons ago. I, I remember that season. It, 20, social media all the time was see Moses at Bank West. Like, that's just what you did that season if you saw that he was playing there. Look, I think he's another one of these guys that's probably 
a flat track bully, as I like to call him. So if the draw's right, you could get on and you could potentially get him going on a run. It's just last season, there was only a couple of tons in there. There was a few 80s and 90s, which is obviously still good. But I think you'd need a string of games where he can really kick on and be an asset to your team. I don't hate it. Uh, seven is a difficult position this year if you're not starting with Cleary or if, say, Cleary doesn't become an option and it isn't named in round one. A lot of people, you know, were turned off by Nick and Hines last night. We get to see Cherry, but Cherry's got a high price. It's a difficult position. I could I could get behind it, but I'd want a backup plan just in case it fails. That's the thing. So you're not picking you're not picking Cleary and Moses. I mean, Lachlan Elias is there. You pick Lachlan Elias. Mm. The thing with your halfback this year is if you're not picking Cleary, and we'll touch on Cleary in a couple of days' time, you need a good stepping stone. You probably can't be spending a lot of trades going side to side on your on your halfbacks because you're going to have to eventually get Cleary, but it's the question of when. And yep. I just worry Moses will cost you two or three trades to get to Cleary, whereas if you take a guy with good upside, then it might only, might only be the one trade that you need to get to Cleary after your cows make a bit of money. So think of it that way because you're going to have to have Cleary. Whether you're anti-Cleary to start or whether you're on Cleary, we all agree that you've got to have him eventually. And I just don't think yeah. Moses is, is that enabler that's going to get you there. So for me, he is a miss. One man that I'm tr- I'm trying to get in my side is is Dylan Brown. Look, 53 average last year in a poor year, but we know he has a phenomenal base. He has huge upside. Rookie year, 64 points a game. I, I think it comes back to closer to that. His base is, is, like I said, I can't speak high enough on that. And he does possess the upside. I'm big on him. He's probably just 30, 40K more than what I want to spend, but I, I am so keen on Dylan Brown. 37 base is the number you're looking for and the highest by a distance, really, uh, if you're comparing apples with apples and actual 5.8s. Easily the highest, so we know he's got an excellent floor. He had F all uh, attacking stats last year. Surely, surely that changed. You can't be, you can't be a five eight in the NRL and have no attack to your game. So I think that's probably something they've worked on heavily um, over the summer. I think there'll be an uptick. I think he could go worst case closer to sixty this year, fifty eight to sixty worst case. And you know, if we if we see the Dylan Brown that we thought we were going to see last year. 70, could be a 60 plus, could 60, be a 65 plus 70, guy. Yeah. So um, I think he's probably there or thereabouts at his bottom dollar. So I don't think he's going to hurt you too much beyond, say, a trade. I'll also say that I, I mentioned it before. He's not going to get a much better draw over the first eight weeks to start the season. So if you are a risk taker and you do like a bit of a flaw in your risk, Dylan Brown's your guy. I just think it presents, like we always talk about 10 points of value, and I feel like there is just 10 points here. Like Dylan Brown at 53 is the lowest you'll probably ever see him. And with all the potential in the world he's got, yeah, he, he could go as high as like 70 points a game. Not saying that he will, but like he's definitely got that in him. After going like 63 or 64 points in his rookie season, I definitely think like he could he could break th- those sort of numbers. Um, that's going to round out the pigs. Gutho, Simonson, Dunster, Panasani, Blake, Brown and Moses. Brew and I have agreed on all of them. We just don't know what side Simpson or Dunster is going to line up on. When it comes to the pigs, I also think they kind of pick themselves. I mean, I've got RCG and Junior Paulo as my middlemen uh, with Reed Money in between those two. Yeah, I think we're going to have the exact same 17, to be quite honest with you. Um, Junior Paulo, can kind of get behind it, but he was a little bit frustrating at the start of last season. He, I know he was the 
the hot ticket at the start of last season. Everyone ended up jumping on and then it was a bit, oh, which Paulo are we going to get today? Solid enough numbers, but I just think there's more than enough options at front row forward this year that you probably don't need to go there. Uh, we're getting a few more that seem to be popping up in recent times, i.e. Safidi, who we spoke about a few days ago. So Paulo is a very good player. Um, from an NRL perspective, he's an excellent player and an asset to that club. I wouldn't hate picking him in your front row. I just think you're probably asking yourself for a trade that you might not have to make if you pick your forwards right to start off. The thing with Junior Paulo is he's very much like Christian Welch in the fact that you have to get rid of him before Origin. He gets nursed back. His numbers go down. He is someone that needs to be traded out before sort of around 11-ish. You're right. He started last year like a house on fire, 184, 64, 66, and then kind of just fell off. Um, he's now co-captain. Does he get an increase in minutes? But he does need offloads to be effective. His base isn't overly fantastic, so he does rely on those evade stats a little bit more heavily than someone like Aregan Campbell-Gillard, for example, whose minutes did drop off last year as well with the emergence of IPAP playing through the middle. Uh, I kind of expect a similar output from RCG being that 54 to 57 points a game kind of guy. Um, you're right, with the emergence of Jacob Saifidi, Jai Arrow stocks on the rise, Stefano Otoikamanu, you've also got Paul Vaughan, uh, and then maybe AFP if you want to spend a little bit more money as well. So it's kind of a logjam around that sort of 400 to 500k front row forwards, RCG and Paulo. I'd rather go Paulo if you're going to take a punt on one of those two, because I think Paulo just has that upside that RCG doesn't possess. And Yeah, he's never been a super coach player, RCG, so definitely I'd be going Paulo over Gillard if you you know, focusing on a draw to, to pick your team to start. And some people do that. Yeah. And then you've also got the, the added factor of him being co-captain as well. So like, does that see an uptick in minutes? Possibly. So possibly a um, um, bit like Tino, we, we don't really know, yeah. but you've got, Tino, to, you've got to flick at the moment. It's not a co-captain. So you've got to flick Paulo on before origin though. That's, that's the main thing. Like he's very similar to Welch and he gets nerves back through that middle period. Absolutely. Now read money. I feel like you're paying for Reid Marnie's ceiling, which is totally cool. Um, but depends on what happens. I mean, if they, we'll touch on our benches soon, but if Mitch Rain does sneak a bench spot, like it does make Marnie so much murkier. Um, at the moment, I don't think Mitch Rain does get into the 17 to start with. So that should be clear selling for Marnie. But like I said, you're paying for his ceiling. There's no value for me. Like, and this is a weird thing. Like there's no value with Marnie in my mind, but I don't think he'll let you down. The, I don't think the attack can get much better. I keep saying the stat of, what is it, 13 try assists in 17 games or something like that, or maybe 17, th- I can't remember exactly what it is, but I don't think the, the try assists improve. And we have to address the elephant in the room. I mean, I'm not saying that Reed Marnie is Gareth Widdop, but if these shoulder injuries keep happening, then it does cause a bit of a concern with his supercoach stocks. I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me, because you didn't use LinkedIn Jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates, like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com people today. Well, Wispy's on the hate train here. I'm not. Um, I'm not on the Marty hate train. I just. I just don't see this fantastic upside that like a lot of people are saying. Like I just. I think last year was like. 
not an outlier. I think it was an improvement, but I don't think it's a, it's a step towards more improvement. I think Reed Money showed his hand. If we were talking poker sense here, like he showed you what he's got, and that's it. Okay. Well, I can't say I agree on much of that personally. He's, I think he's priced at a point that he's not going to lose money. Therefore, he's not going to burn you. I've said it before and I'll say it again. I don't think you're going to get a better opening eight, eight round, like eight games to start the season, which goes in his favor. He, he averaged 72.5 in 80 minute games. So his average minutes were 68. So if he does get the 80 minutes, he's going to make money. And I, I believe that he'll, he'll average, you know, 72 to 75 similar areas to what Grant will. Um, well, well, oh, I was going to say, whoa, 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 yeah, whoa. Yeah. I'm not talking potential and ceiling here. Sorry. So I think he can definitely go into those areas over the first six games or something last season, he had an average of like 108. So to say that the blokes kind of priced at his ceiling and that there's no chance that he's going to get all these try assists again, that doesn't make sense to me because he did it last year and then he got injured. So who's to say that he still can't be a creative player in a side that, you know, me needs, I say needs that. creativity. I know you say that, but I'm, I'm, I'm going against you on this one. Reed Marnie is still a guy that I could start the season with. I'm not, know, I'm not between... saying, not, I'm not saying not start with him at all. I'm, I'm not for one minute saying don't start with Reed Marnie. I'm just saying I don't expect the hundred average is what he had last year. And I, I'm not saying that he's a trap. That's far from what I'm saying. I'm just saying, I don't really see a whole lot of value there. I think he'll just be there as to what he was last year uh, when it comes to overall average, which is what 68, I think he averaged last year. So, so if you, if someone's priced under 600 and giving you a 68 average, you wouldn't be happy with that. Not when you've got Harry Grant, I can spend 40 grand more on no, not when I can spend, well, not, when I can, not when I can buy Damien Cook who possesses far more upside. Maybe. That's that's where my thinking is. I think there's two better hooker options than Reed Money for very, very similar price brackets. And also the shoulders do concern me. Um, back rowers. Now you say we don't have any differences in our side. I think we have one difference here. And rounds 23 to 25 last year basically kind of reaffirmed this. When there was no Ryan Madison and Brad Arthur needed a back rower, he didn't go towards Isaiah Papali'i. Isaiah Papali'i, he has come out and said that he likes to play in the middle. Brad Arthur wants him to play through the middle. And I don't see him starting, which is maybe a little bit controversial. I do have the very mundane Sean Lane starting at one back row position. And Ryan, what about the biceps on him? Madison starting on the other. No room for IPAP because it does concern me that he wasn't used last year when they needed him to and he was used through the middle. So I have Lane who, look, he could be dropped at a moment's notice. There is no security around his position at all. We know that IPAP is there. There's no guarantee that Lane even starts. Like So for me, Lane is not an issue at all. However, Ryan Madison, I am so hard for. He wow. had a down year last year due to HIAs. We know that. But he averaged 75 points a game playing over 70 minutes on the right edge. Brad Arthur did this weird thing where they played him on the left and it just was weird and they moved him back to the right and he was phenomenal. Like, he was so good. He's priced at 569k. And if TPJ wasn't dual, we wouldn't be talking about TPJ. We talk about Maddo. Like, I am so, so keen on Maddo. I would apply to be his personal masseuse if I could. Like, he is... I am very, very high on Maddo stocks this year, mate. Clearly. It sounds like you need to have a cold shower. I too. do. Like, um, I, my desk has just raised an inch or two off the ground. 
<laughs> as high as it'll go. Um, <laughs> Madison. <laughs> Sorry. First of all, I got to say on the bicep index, Madison's a 10 out of 10. That guy's arms are freaking phenomenal. Um, yeah. Look, to get for feet, I had to go via Madison and it bugs me because I really feel like Madison is pure unders this year. If Madison's not on Angus Crichton's level in terms of super coach, like I'll eat my hat, my super coach. Injury, injury free, um, obviously, because yeah, those HIAs, <laughs> I guess. Ha- we yeah, have to mention so them. We can't, we can't just sweep them under the rug. In terms of Papa Lee, like I, I get, you know, don't let the door hit you on the way out, but Sean Lane's a headless chook, like... The bloke's a Gumby. I really don't want to see him starting for the Eels. Surely, you, surely. You, you think I went hard on Red Money? Jesus Christ. It won't be the first time, won't be the last time that I give um, Sean Rain a <laughs> I'm laughing. Sean Lane a bit of a slap around because I just think he's useless as tits on a ball. So I don't like it. I do have him on my bench. Um, I'm guessing that's where you've got Papa Lee. So he's in there somewhere, but not not starting for me. Fair enough, fair enough. Um, so, Maddo, you, you would touch on him saying that that close to, to Crichton levels. And I generally believe that. Like, if he stays fit, yeah. 70, 75 points a game, like, that is that is elite at less than 570K. The thing is, people love to say, oh, Maddo's H- HIAs. But yet, they're the same people that pump up Pappenhausen. So, I, d- I don't really get it. Like, I don't know how we can say no to Maddo, but yes to Pap. That's just that's just my yeah. two cents, and that's a little bit of the frustration I see when it comes to the Matto chat. All right, just um, don't mention Reid Marnie's shoulders again if you're going to talk about Ryan Madison's concussions. Okay. No, but what, one of them <laughs> one of them is is like a, a ball and socket injury, which can get weaker over time. And I understand the HIAs can also do that. The thing with Matto is now we know his HIA issues. We don't have to see him have one, get told a week, and we hold him. Look, we, we know that if he gets Sometimes HIA, there's bad luck too. And he, he's had a little bad luck with the with the concussions. Like, he's not Wolpakovsky who's going to have to retire, you know, at 20-something years old because he can't stop getting concussed. I don't think that's what Madison is. He's had a little bit of bad luck. I'm sure he'll be back this year, 80 minutes, pumping out heavy base, great evade. He'll score plenty of tries. And you'll probably pick him. And won't drop him, in my opinion, unless he gets concussed or suspended. He's one of those guys you'll pick and you'll stick for the season. Did someone also say contract year for Big Matto? I, I forgot. Yeah, it is contract year, and he wants that contract too. I, I saw an interview with him. He was all sweaty, and his biceps were enormous. I need to go Josh, check. I know. need to go check this out. Oh. <laughs> but like, he is keen. He, he's keen. He's ready to go. And I'm really, I'm really high on Madison this year. So, and even if Parramatta thumbs up, even if Parramatta don't want him, which is the report, I think Matto wants that fat bag for himself. So the only concern is there has been a, a few, a few whispers. That he's training at 13. I don't know if that's just him training there to, to like have the option. Like if Brad, Arthur, if anything happens to to Nathan Brown, then Brad Arthur's got the option there. Um, or if that's a I've gen- never really seen him play there. I'd have to go back to his Roosters days where he played a little bit there, but um. So I don't know what that would do for output, but he's a worker, so it wouldn't really bother me too much. But what about Nathan Brown? He had a gun season last year. That, that's what, that, was, that was my point. I mean, Maddo's been training at 13. That's what I was saying. I don't know if that's him might be rotating through there or if that's just a case of, you know, like uh, gives Brad Arthur some options if, if anything hits the fan. But as for Nathan Brown, mate, yeah, he he did drop off last year when it comes to Supercoach. Uh, NRL, I think he improved, but when it comes to Supercoach, he, he did drop off. 
That's why I'm always against outlier seasons because they're outliers. Um, his minutes also took a hit with the emergence of Cardi as well. So I wouldn't expect anything over 60 points a game when it comes to Supercoach. Um, but he's definitely improving year in, year out when it comes to his, just his general footy ability. Nathan Brown's one of those guys that I get tempted with season in, season out in the preseason. I haven't this season. I do think he's coming off one of his best seasons NRL-wise, but the minutes dip concerns me a little bit. And just in general, like he, he finally didn't get suspended last year, but the bloke's also a maniac. So you always have to have in the back of your mind that there is a chance for getting suspended. That said, though, his base is phenomenal. Um, 47 base is is fantastic. Um, you could do worse than to pick him up. He'd be a solid, I reckon, about 60 would be the safe safe mark, um, give or take, you know, one or two points. That's probably there or thereabouts as to what he will have each. Yeah, I've got him close to the sort of 58. So floating between there is fine. He's added a new string to his bow. He's no longer just that hard man running through 13. He looked to be adding a bit of ball playing as well, which um, should hopefully help out my boy Dylan Brown. Let's move, let's move on. He got to some the... try assists last year yeah, too, he did. actually. He did. That's what I'm saying. Um, like, yeah, he d- he definitely... I remember it. Yeah. Yeah. Let's move on to our bench. And one man I'm really glad to see back playing good footy. That is Bryce Cartwright. Um, new lease of life at Parramatta. He looked really good. Uh, he's my 14. I don't think the Eels will carry a utility, even though they have signed Mitch Rain. I think they just want the depth because they probably are concerned over Reed Marnie and his longevity. So who knows? But I'm really keen on Bryce Cartwright. Um, the next man I've got is just Isaiah Papali'i. You have Sean Lane. Uh, I've also got Oregon Kafusi and Ray Stone as the backups on my bench. Yep. One, two, three, four. That's what I've got as well. So with the exception of Lane and... And Papa Lee switching, that's that's my guys as well. So I don't really see any of those guys as super coach options. But as you said, uh, Kafusi's a fantastic player and he's such a good pickup, in my opinion, uh, for the Sharks. Cartwright started to show something last season that we thought, you know, maybe he'd lost in his game. He was quite good for them. The errors seemed to reduce and he started to look, you know, I wouldn't say a shadow because, you know, the man was a super coach weapon. But he was getting back to good areas. So he'll definitely be in the, the 17. Sean Lane, as I've mentioned, just kick him to the curb, send him to the English Ship League for all I care. Ray Stone, good player. Another guy that's also leaving the club. But so I feel like over the course of the season, I feel like there's going to be opportunity for youngsters to come in and demand selection because how how much loyalty are they going to show to the guys that are leaving the club when you've got guys like Wiramu, you know, that are banging down the door? So... It'll be an interesting season for Parramatta, I think. Yeah. Um, when uh, Murata Niakore is back, I would have him coming oh, in over over Ray Stone. Um, but yeah, um, is it Greg? Yeah, I don't know how to pronounce it. Yeah, yeah, he's he's a gun. Like he looks he looked good last night in the in the All Star game as well. So uh, he's someone definitely um, knocking down the door for for a spot. And Absolutely. yeah, some good Parramatta youngsters coming through. I think there's also. Um, I think he's Makatoa or, or Makatoa. Uh, he's a young forward coming through as well. So definitely some good forward depth coming through at Parramatta if they do, if they do decide to let someone like a Madison go. Uh, obviously, you've got Papali'i leaving next year as well. So some good times to be a young Parramatta forward. Uh, that's going to wrap up our Parramatta preview. So we're pretty high on a couple of them. Um, when it comes to, I'm, I'm, I like Hayes Dunster. We obviously like Will Panasini. I'm big on Dylan Brown. Brew is also uh, Reed Marnie. I am not. Brew is though. 
and Ryan Madison. We are both throbbing over. I mean, we didn't touch on Isaiah Papali'i in the in the, in the event that he starts. If he is locked in, if he is locked in to play big minutes on the edge, awesome. But the problem for me is like he is so bad for Supercoach when he plays through the middle, and Brad Arthur likes to play him through the middle. So my bit of advice is. I would just be avoiding Isaiah Papali'i last year. It's so much money to be spending on so much uncertainty. You can't, if he, if we see him playing 80 minutes on the edge and scoring well, which he will score well, no doubts, then he's going to be a temptation. But I have too much fear to do it. And I also think he's kind of priced out of consideration to start. He, he, he's not going to be an 80-plus average second rower again. Um, he averaged like 79, I think it was at the end of last season. You know, that average got pulled down by that time that he did spend at prop. So I, he's just a wait and see for me. By all means, if he's, you know, after four or five rounds, if he's dropped a bit of cash and he's at, say, 550 or 560 and he looks like he's playing 80 minutes on the edge again and he's killing it, go for it. I've got no issues with that whatsoever, but I, I would wait and see because I, I can't see him not dropping in price early. Basically, my thoughts summed up. That's going to wrap it up for today's Paramount podcast, guys. I have enjoyed this one. There's there's been some good talking points out of out of Paramount, so hopefully you guys have enjoyed it. Hopefully, uh, we can steer you into a bit of value when it comes to Para, um, mate. Do you have anything else to add before we touch on the Penrith Panthers next episode? No, I'm looking looking forward to the Panthers episode. Actually, there's quite a few guys that are going to be talked about. I'm sure they're going to be in a lot of super coach teams. Um, no, that's good. Uh, All-Stars game last night. Uh, a lot of people shitting on Nico Hines, obviously. Britain, uh, Britain Nakora. I am, all of a sudden, I am very keen on Britain Nakora, especially if Hines plays. I actually looked up his price. Um, especially if Hines yeah, plays right. There's actually a few guys in the same price bracket as, because um, you've got, I think, Tamalolo, Nakora, um, Tupanua. They're all in a similar kind of, 10 to 15k price bracket and they're all kind of options. So yeah, Nakora was really good. His work rate was fantastic. We know he can run a good line. He was the standout player in my opinion last night from the contest. Um, I, I know, yeah, I know that Tarpany got the award, but I don't think if, if Tarpany doesn't score, then yeah, I mean, Britain Nakora, he went between it. I would have to go back and watch the game to score it properly, but it's somewhere between 65 and 77 points in 51 minutes, basically all in, all in base two. Uh, Nico Hines scored 66 for everyone online that were bashing him. Um, still, 12, still 12 points on this. Yeah, oh, it is. I'm, I'm just trying to yeah. rev up as much as I can when it comes to Hines. Uh, <laughs> I will say this, but it is concerning that Trindle looks like a much better goal kicker. Yes. Uh, if Hines isn't kicking, I'm not sure I could jump on Hines without the kicking. I, I need that. You know, I was talking about him getting an extra, say, 8 to 12 points a game. That's the difference for me. Tricky Trindle was if, yeah. one, one from one from the sideline and Hines was a duck egg and two. Uh, if Tr- if Trindle's names to start the season in the seven and say Hines plays in the six and Moylan's back on the 14, I'm going to I'm gonna actually find it really hard not to pick Trindle because yeah. I'm a big fan of his. So I, I posted I, that. I mentioned him ages ago and then I didn't put him in the Sharks side. But after last night, I sat there and went, how can you not pick this guy? Yeah, I posted that, um, I posted that last night actually. Like at the moment, I have Cleary. I'm tossing up between it. Um, but if Trindle gets named, it changes everything for me because I do rate Trindle highly. Uh, depends on what side he plays. Um, but we will touch on that when we, I guess, give our final teams. Mine's changing twice a day. So 
No point. No point. No point. Us spending ten minutes talking about it now because by the next episode it's going to change drastically. Uh, I've been the SC Whisperer. I've been joined by Brewer C. As always, you've been listening to the Dual Position Podcast. We're getting very, very close. The season trials are done. Jordan Pierre looks like the greatest player of all time. Bye, guys. You stay classy. <laughs>